This Ace Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. What's going on? I'm trying to talk to their brewer about doing a beer collaboration for our event. Really? That would be fun, right? I mean, how many beers and sandwiches and and happy hour and appetizers are you going to have named after you? We could have a food at our event. Like, if we could collaborate on a food thing for the event, what would it be? Chicken pie? Well, (laughs) probably the chicken pie is that it's summertime. That's right. And that's not really brewery food. That's more... Chicken pie shop in Walnut Creek. There you go. Uh, don't, 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 don't add competition, my friend. I'm down. If you want to, we can start collaborating on a certain dish. That'd be fun. That we can. Do they have a full kitchen there? Uh, they've got. I think they had to serve pizza, so they've got something. They've got some sort of kitchen. Well, if you have a pizza oven, mm, we, we can, can figure. Something. We can figure yeah, out. Make it calzone or. Yeah. yeah. I'm no cheese though, so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to talk about this. You go no cheese I'm on no, pizza? No, I'm no cheese in life. Oh, yeah. Your reason? Do you have that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> Meatballs, it is. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> we 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 can figure that out. You can always figure that. You can always adapt. Hey, you know what they said? You ever watch that movie Moneyball? Mm-hmm. Adapt or die. That's right. You know, I had a really interesting conversation about that. We I, so I wrote this piece this week about the pitch clock um, and how it might be leading to uh, the the most amount of uh, starting pitcher and pitcher injuries in April that we've had. We were kind of reading it and found out that that was a bunch of what we were reading. That was from the athletic, right? Didn't you put it out? Yeah. Some people don't buy it, right? Uh, I don't know. Have you heard that some people don't buy it? Not your article, but people aren't buying that the Pitchcock, like Stan Conti, former uh, Giants. Oh, I, obviously there are people who don't agree because yeah. they did the pitch clock. And that I don't, as cynical as I am, I don't think they did the pitch clock knowing that there would be injuries. But I would say <laughs> that the work, and they also have numbers in the minor leagues. But here's my thing about the minor league numbers. And I think that, they uh, are not necessarily a good uh, proving ground for this, uh, for the pitch clock. And here's why minor league staffs are larger. Minor leaguers don't throw as hard on average and minor leaguers get more rest on average and they don't have the same workloads on average. You know, the average minor leaguer in double a throws like the starters throw like 60 pitches. And it's not their fault. That, that, that's, that, that's just how we develop pitchers. Yeah, it's awful. It's awful. We, we, they, they throw, that's they how throw. we have a no hitter going and a guy gets hundred pitches last night. And everybody's like, Oh my God. Yes, exactly. They don't joke. even, they don't even get to the major leagues with a hundred pitches in their bag. So, you know what they're like the average major leaguer, especially in like a ball, if you're trying to compare a ball injuries an a ball guy might throw 60 pitches and take five, six days off, you know, because they're piggybacking and giving them more rest and trying to, you know, try not to injure them. And so, so you're going to compare those guys to the guys throwing harder and throwing every five days and throwing back to back to backs. You know, I'm not sure it's a like to like, I don't know if it's apples to apples. So a lot of people on the other end are saying we didn't see injuries in the minor leagues. And I'm like, yes. However, there's also just, the theory behind this, which is time between pitches is rest. 
Less rest between pitches means fatigue. Fatigue means injury. It's a fairly simple plus, plus, plus math equation. And there were people that modeled this that showed fatigue goes up if you have less time between pitches. And fatigue has been proven to lead to injury. So there's a lot of proof on our side, too. So I, I do know that there's other people who don't agree with it. But, you know, I just finished talking to Trevor May, and he was talking about the sort of mental aspect of it. And you were talking about adjusting to stuff. And there's a whole mental aspect to this that we're only beginning to see the big, the, the start of it. I think we start saw some of it with Max Scherzer and other people have talked about it. But Trevor was uh, opened up a little bit, you know, because he took some time off for anxiety. And he said, yes. There's stuff going on in my life beyond baseball. Correct. But he said at least 30 to 40% of it was baseball that was giving him anxiety. And it was mostly the pitch clock. And he just didn't know. He said that in a, in a normal plate appearance, the plate appearance builds gravitas and builds to a thing. Right. And so he's like, oh, it's 2 0. I got to get a strike here. I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to walk around the mound. I'm going to. The, 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 there was like a natural sort of tension that built in every plate appearance. He says he has no sense of that anymore. It's just throw, 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 throw. And so just from his sense, he doesn't know what to do anymore. <laughs> He's like, he said, it's just being up there is like, I don't know when to do. I don't know how to pace myself. I don't know. I don't know when to throw harder and when to, you know, like when to, you know, he's like, he doesn't know what to do. He can't even process the last pitch and what happened on it before he has to throw again. So he said that the sort of mental aspect for him has been very challenging, and I, I can't believe that he's alone. You want to know how I really feel about it? Yeah. <laughs> because I feel bad for him. Yeah. I do. I mean, anxiety, obviously, anxiety, depression, these things are very real, and in a game of failure, I get it. But every other professional athlete in every other sport deals with some type of time. So if this real small generation of players is having a hard time with the adjustment, it doesn't matter because the entire future of the game has played it. They'll grow up in it. And the we'll young guys. Are, and we'll never talk about this again. I mean, true. it's it might be true. The, the most popular are, game is football. You got to snap the football on time. It's just it's this is how it works. And and the young guys, you ask them, they, they don't care. They don't care. And, and by God, they were showing Bryce Harper at bats in the postseason to where Bryce Harper wants to take a pitch. He wants to step out. Get back in, take a pitch, step out, Juan Soto. <laughs> and people don't we don't need that. We don't want to see that. And you know what? Boo hoo. Get in the box and let's go. I understand, though, if it's really affecting you like it is certain players, well, we my, need to take a look at that. But long term, this won't be a problem. My hope is that long term pitchers do dial it back a little bit. And, you know, Mike Sur Max Serta talked about in our piece about running. And so running has gone out of favor with pitchers. And it makes sense because pitching is more of a quick, fast exertion. It's not really like a thing where you're running 26 miles and you're like you know you're like kind of well, there is endurance there's, there's some <laughs> endurance but like it's not the same as running you know but max was saying for the flitch clock you kind of have to build up that endurance that sort of athletic endurance that's a little bit like long distance running and so what i'm hoping that's why all those years trust me i was a college pitcher we were like a track team yeah. you needed endurance to pitch you just didn't get up there and I throw as hard as I can. And that's all I do. You had to have endurance. You got to throw. You got so, so to eat innings. I'm hoping that there's secondary effects to this. Like if we have a, a, an injury burst, I'm hoping that it's short term and that pitchers start to realize, okay, 
I need to dial it back. And, you know, I can't necessarily go full bore for every inning. And that maybe that leads to maybe the marketplace is where it all gets decided, though. And that's I had this phrase that I said uh, on Twitter the other day that it's just true. There's this phrase in basketball, board man gets paid. You know, in baseball, gas man gets paid. So Velo gets paid. And that's why they're throwing as hard as they can, because that's what gets paid in the marketplace. And so there's this sort of a car crash happening where it's like they're throwing this hard and they're they don't have as much time to rest between and they're getting more injured, but they still get paid for the velo. So they're still going to do it. And then here's the other car coming in that's smashed into them like in a snowstorm is innings. Yeah, because all of a sudden I'm not getting innings from my starters. I'm overworking my bullpen. And then it's funny to me when the manager reminds me of when the Raiders traded Khalil Mack, the best pass rusher in a game, and then three weeks later, John Gruden's at a press conference. They're saying, you can't get after the quarterback. He goes, well, it's tough to find a pass rush. <laughs> you just had one. What did he just say? <laughs> so so you don't know. Mason Miller had 100 pitches, and it was panic. Yeah. And it's still panic. People want to argue with me. Like, he's never pitched. I'm like, like 100 pitches, he was going to be carted off to the hospital. <laughs> but then they complain that they're, they have no bullpen guys. They're all hurt. They're all tired. They're not effective. It's like, well. Well, somebody, I don't know who it is, but there's 13 guys on a staff. Somebody, somebody has to pitch the inning. Somebody's got it. <laughs> what did we make? It's 4,301. 74. There's 4,374 outs in a season, not counting extra innings. Did you know that? No. But 4,300. Somebody's got to get them. Get those outs. And But I think there is a little bit of statistical uh, truth that will that, – that, that borders on what you're saying that is maybe rewarded a little bit in the marketplace. So think of Kyle Gibson and even the Cole Irvin trade with Baltimore. Baltimore has all these young guys coming up, right? They have all these young guys, Grayson Rodriguez, and yeah. these, you know, these young guys coming up that they, that they know are going to be good in short stints, but like Mason Miller may not be able to go past the fifth, right? So they know they have that. What they did was they tried to supplement it on the marketplace with guys that had command and multiple pitches that they thought could go deeper. And when I looked, I saw that command predicts number of innings per appearance more than stuff. So command is that is what helps a pitcher turn the lineup over. Command is what helps them throw more innings. Command helps them get through through the fifth, through the sixth, through the seventh. And so you may have teams, there are some teams that realize that and want to supplement these like young fireballers with these like kind of older uh, command types that can that can turn the lineup over a couple times. Or maybe we just get more Shohei Otanis because we have a new Shohei Otani and Cody Clemens. Ah. He's pitched them back-to-back games. There you go. The son of the rocket. There's also the uh, Giants' first-round pick that uh, Reggie – Reggie Crawford, who can uh, throw 98 and uh, and hit the ball 110. So, And the reason why I bring up Cody Clemens, that's now – he's pitching back-to-back games. Cody Clemens is not a pitcher, by the way. Right. Um, back-to-back games for the Phillies. We have now, in the first 34 days of the season, we've already used 25 position players. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's... We're on a re- – we were supposed to have new this rules. this is even with new rules, yeah. yeah. We're on a record pace <laughs> yeah. for position players. This is what People talk about, about integrity of the game. Yeah. Whoa. I mean, that's what you're talking about. Is somebody has to get these outs. 
Yeah. And there's too many times when you have like a 2% chance of winning the game that you just feel like, I don't want to injure. I don't want to use anybody in my bullpen. Here's Carlos Perez for the A's. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> really? Is that? I mean, I Christian Betancourt was doing it a little bit when he was here. He was legit, though. Yeah. He could throw it hard. <laughs> he could throw it hard. He had an arm. I mean, yeah. do you do you see that's a problem? 25 guys already? Position players? I mean, I, I think it's a problem when the guy's up there and he's throwing like, you know, 70 from the side and he doesn't care and there's three more bombs and it's a, a laughing stock but do i think it's as much of a problem if we do start developing these two-way players i don't know that's kind of fun i i i that might be a fun the guy managing little... the team tonight i played against kotze in college kotze go three for four four for five then, and come then out, close the game right and they come out throwing 96 97 from center oh and he probably hosed somebody during the game too i mean yeah. he's one of the greatest college baseball players Grom was a was a in college was a shortstop in the closer i mean it happens more in college and so maybe we'll find some space to develop these guys. Jared Walsh, who was uh, uh, the first baseman for the Angels, mm -hmm. came up as a pitcher in college, too. So, like, maybe we'll find some space to kind of let these guys develop so that you do have a guy on your squad that might keep you in the game. Because there are games where it's 10 to 2 and you put a guy in and all of a sudden one of your guys hits a grand slam and, you know, another guy hits a two-run homer and you're back in it. You know who we never talk about if he didn't get hurt? He probably was could have been the A's first baseman of the future turned world series champion, all-star closer, Sean, Sean Doolittle. Doolittle. There you go. I mean, Sean Doolittle legitimately could have done, given you at bats and innings. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that would be a fun thing. I do think that the more that we see position players, pitching, like we used to have like Twitter guys that are like, Oh, position player pitching. And like, it used to be like, Oh, alert, alert, everyone watch. And now everyone's like, no, I don't care. I don't want to see it. It's just It's a you talk about car car wreck. It's a car wreck. Yeah. <laughs> when that's happening. now, it just means the game's over. Uh, when you think of JJ Blade, fourth overall pick in the draft, we had him on. I mean, it was a tough time to be drafted because COVID hits. You lose a year essentially of growth. Is uh, I, I have to believe he was at that. I mean, we interviewed him. He was at their alternate site, but you lose a year. Uh, You're seeing the same pitchers over and over, so you, it can't be like a normal year. They paid him, what was it, six point? I got it here. They paid him six point seven million. Now they flipped him for a guy that went right after him, number six, AJ, AJ Puck. But and he's uh, their closer now, pretty much. Think about JJ Blade. I mean, that was you're getting the fourth pick. I mean, obviously, I'm excited to see him. I, I talked to him today, and uh, he said something that I've heard from like Cody Bellinger and Kyle Schwarber and some other guys that have kind of long swings that can create power, uh, but are being exploited at the top of the zone and, you know, have high strikeout rates. Lede said, you know, the cue for me is to sort of chop down on the ball, be quick to the ball. And, you know, chopping wood is something that's gone out of favor because if you look at what a player does, it's not good for them to kind of chop wood. That's not, a, but for guys with long swings, if they think chop wood, they just get to plane faster and it allows them to kind of shorten up some of this stuff in the back and get on plane faster. And I saw in his minor league stats and a tremendous improvement in terms of his strikeout rate. And he basically like admitted to me that like he's covering the top of the zone better now. Feels versus reels. You hear the great Tiger Woods talk about that. Yeah, it, it's it may fit you feel, but even though what you you think it's totally an exaggeration, it doesn't mean it's an exaggeration. It's the right feel, but when you see it on video, 
it doesn't look as exaggerated. It's like just a little bit short of a swing. Just it's, a you're little not bit. chopping wood. Like, but it but, may feel like some can just this huge crate, change, but it's yeah, not. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if, if Boudet is really going to be able to cut his strikeout rate to 20% in the major leagues, he has the power. I mean, it could be a real breakout for him. So I'm, I'm excited. I thought it was a good acquisition. This team needs more position players. They had a lot of starting pitching depth. I think they decided that Puck wasn't going to be a starter. I think it, it could still be a really good trade for them, even though Puck is closing for the Marlins and, you know, looks yeah. as nasty as we remember him. I mean, we all knew that Puck was nasty. It was more about can he stay together for five innings and really be a starting pitcher. But the value of finding an everyday guy. Yeah. And I think Lede, you know, might be able to play center and he can definitely play all in the corners well. And uh, if he really has cut a strikeout rate, this could be a big year for him. My man over here is from Pittsburgh. He's living and dying with his pirates. Everybody's been trying to say, enjoy it now. Are you officially here to crush his dreams in 2023? Are you like, raise the Jolly no. Roger. They got a chance. They have more guys coming. They have more guys coming. They have Henry Davis, great slugging catcher. They have Andy Rodriguez, who is this kind of catcher that can play second base. So they've got two catchers coming up that are really, really good. Luis Ortiz is this guy started with stuff. He's not even in the major leagues yet. He could really dominate when he gets up there. Um, and Jack Suwinski is breaking out. They've got a young center fielder that's breaking out. I mean, he's legit. All the stuff is there. He's one of these like tools, the athletic guys that's just cutting the, the strikeout rate just a little bit. I think it's a real breakout. So I don't know. Maybe it's a year early, but this is definitely a team on the rise. Derek Shelton, we had him on. And, you know, I think he's a good guy. He too. was he was just on MLB Network. There's something about and you kind of saw it with the Maggi deal. There's like a special culture that he's building. We talked to him about down San Diego. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping the Maggi send down the double A now isn't going to ruin the uh, momentum the team has going. Well, Plus right. another he, guy, another guy. He Clint, might not Clint, actually be that good. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a great story. I mean, but here, he, here he is already trying to find a way to have yeah. the Buckos fall apart. Uh, no, Come on, enjoy it. I'm from Pittsburgh. We're very yeah. uh, cynical. Um, yeah, that's right. Quinn, Quinn Priester's another guy too that they really. That's like. right. Yeah. And then they have, oh, by the way, they had the first pick in the draft this year. Uh, everyone keeps saying, "Well, how are they so good?" They're playing not playing anybody. They had the first pick in a draft. They weren't supposed to be good. Yeah. And now yeah, they're going to yeah. get. They probably get the kid from LSU, Dylan Cruz, and. They got more guys coming, as you said. I like I like what Swinsky's doing. Oh, and their best young player has a fractured ankle and he's not coming back. I know. They haven't even seen O'Neill Cruz yet. So I think there's some good stuff going on there. The honest of baseball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hit 212. Yeah, he throws the ball really hard at first. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> he's an athlete, man. The, the Rays, by the way, great discussion I heard just talking about, you know, we're beyond the – it's an easy schedule – they're leading the world in everything, right? They're leading all the – but the thing that you look about the Rays, which is not you, – you don't want to be in their marketing department because they're not a marketing department dream, but they have made some of the most ruthless baseball decisions. They have never kept anyone, anyone. They, they, even in their minor leagues, they traded away their top prospect, uh, their top pitching prospect, Matt Libertor, for Randy Rosarena, you know. They traded away uh, Blake Snell in the middle of a totally team affordable deal uh, for, you know, <laughs> Blake Snell call him. Did you hear that? The, the slap the prospect. <laughs> oh, did he really? Yeah. He was pretty mad. That he Tell got Blake Snell to go four innings. Was, <laughs> was that CJ Edwards? I think they traded for Xavier Edwards. Xavier Edwards. Yeah. Xavier Edwards. Um, 
And it doesn't matter that that one didn't work out. They just traded Xavier Edwards a year later. So they just keep going. One of the things that they really do almost better than anyone, I think, is manage their whole, not only their 25-man roster, 26-man roster, their 40-man roster, their 100 top 100 guys. They know all of their guys that are two years away from uh, having to be put on the 40-man, and they will move guys ahead of that date so that no, they never get stuck in a box. But we want to buy jerseys. <laughs> we, we, we want to have a guy that, that is here for 20 years, oh, and we want to put on. a statue out front. Well, that and happens is, in Oakland, too. And that's what fans want. <laughs> Do you know how many times I've taken phone calls? I, I can't buy a jersey. And it's yeah, like, well. Yes, that happens in Oakland. That happens. In I Oakland. mean, the Rays. I wonder if it has some effect on the postseason, too, because you wonder how, uh, you know, a lot of these like sort of uh, postseason I call them puff pieces. I'm not being rude. I just mean like we, we get these like inside inside the, the the team that wanted all pieces, you know, and so often they're like, you know, team the players that came up together in the minor leagues and won together in the minor leagues yeah. and know each other. And well, we just had that. Oakland, yeah. Right. Like, yeah, that's when it's great in Oakland. But like I, also the Royals, when they went all the way, all those guys had been together forever. You know? But that's how the Dodgers were built way back when the yeah. Oriole way in Baltimore way back when that's how organizations like the and same so infields. And sometimes you pay a guy too much on the end and you're holding on to Aubrey Huff, you know, you know, the, the year after you my old be. radio partner, yeah. that was a treat. So that's happening. That's happening in San Francisco. where like, sometimes they're holding on to guys a little bit too long, but that creates this idea of like, we're all in this together. We know each other. We're it's, we have a good clubhouse culture. So there, there might be um, a downfall to being that aggressive trading wise that shows up maybe in the postseason. I don't know you. Who are you? Like, yeah, <laughs> we've been hanging out since last year when you got traded here. And I know I'm traded out in a year. So, you know, rent don't buy. But you love the puff piece. They've been together. They've won <laughs> together. All right. When I grew up, the Yankees stunk. All right. They never went to the playoffs. Don Manley went to the playoffs one time in his entire career at the Yankees. It was his, his last, last year. year yeah. I love hating on the Yankees, but my entire <laughs> career, if you look at it, where I started getting going here in 96, 97, they've, they've been, been in the playoffs. <laughs> Is it time that I can really crap on the Yankees? They look terrible. They got so many guys hurt. They can't hit their outfield, even with Judge when it was healthy. The numbers were terrible. Can we finally, can I bury the Yankees early? Didn't they go through this last year too? No, last year they, but like by June, they were supposed to be one of the most historic great teams of all time. They failed in the end. All right. I mean, I, I, I it doesn't look good, uh, but um, they have had injuries. And, you know, if Rodone and Bader and Judge all come back from their injuries, that's a better team. So, like, I think they could have better days. You know, I don't, and they're 16 and 15. It's not like they came, look, a team I'd be more worried about is the Cardinals. They're yeah. in trouble. They're like nine and 18 and their pitching staff is legitimately not good. Like they, they have a bunch of pitch to contact guys and we just changed the shift rules. Like that's more worrisome. At least the Yankees are built to strike guys out and hit tremendous homers. Last time I checked the standings, the St. Louis Cardinals are the furthest away from first place as almost us. Like they're, we're the only team further away than they are. I think they were 10 and 20 going into tonight and the Pirates yeah. were 20 and 10. The, when you look at last year at the top, the top 10 teams, there are like three or so that fell out of the, the, that were kind of rabbits, you know, and didn't, didn't make it to the end. 
if you look last year at the bottom 10 teams, there was only one team in it in the bottom 10 that made the playoffs in April. So bottom 10 of April that made the playoffs. And they were like, you know, 10th, not like, you know, like they weren't the very yeah. worst. They were like, I think it was like the Giants. Did the Giants made the postseason last year. I think they started in April. Uh, no, they, no, they, they finished 500 last Phillies. year. Phillies. Phillies. Phillies were maybe 11 and 13 in April. Nah, yeah, they were like 19 and something and still made the playoffs. Right? Yeah, so like. You know, if you're in the bottom five, you don't traditionally uh, make the playoffs even out of April because you're just that far behind. You have they have to play 27 games over 500 the rest of the way to win 90 games. There's been three teams recently. It's the Nats who won the championship, the Braves who won the championship, who had those kinds of runs. who had just brutal. You know, they were 10 games under 500 at a certain point, and then now you had the Phillies last year. Sticking in New York, heard this today. The last time. Scherzer and Verlander went in back-to-back games, which is about to come up, was 2014 against the Baltimore Orioles. As Tigers. And the manager was Buck Showalter, who is now their manager. Uh, that's a fun one. I was like, huh, what? 2014. Now, obviously, we remember 2014 in the wild card game, but hey, um, uh, uh, it gives me no pleasure to report this. Uh, Max Scherzer's spin rates are down. 100 to 200 RPM today. Well, you know, it's I was sweating, yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I just I had this tacky stuff, and then and then I don't know, I washed it off, and there was alcohol, <laughs> and I swear on my kid, I swear on my kid, I swore on his kids. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm fascinated to see uh, what what Verlander's spin rates look like too. And then all of a sudden, I, I I don't know. I mean, I I, I got to tell you, I used rosin for many many years. I I never could stick the ball to my hand. The ball, it never worked that. <laughs> That's way. what I'm telling you. We need David Cohn's Sunday Night Baseball thing was a fraud. We need we need to Did have. Did you see that? We need to have a test like that where they put a wiffle ball on your fingers. If the wiffle ball does not fall off your fingers, you're out of the game. Did you see David Cohn's Sunday Night Baseball? Thing? Yeah, yeah. And where all of a sudden now his ball is so sticky and like. Just with just with sweat. Oh, oh, oh! Just with sweat. Yeah, no. they're trying. To... But I don't know. I mean, what 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 Scherzer was saying was he just used sweat and rosin. He worked it really hard. I mean, obviously he worked it really hard. And I'm seeing today, you know, 100 RPM off the fastballs, 200 off the breaking balls. So doesn't he still have sweat and doesn't he still have rosin? Yeah. I mean, they were saying it. It was so sticky in his glove. Wasn't it the alcohol? They were talking about the alcohol, though. Like, then they probably the, washed it off with alcohol. That well, was a part. No one saw that. They yeah. said he went in and washed it or whatever. But it's like. And that could have made it stickier because alcohol takes the water out. So but why is it now all in his glove? That's not his right hand. Yeah. It's his left hand goes into his glove. Why is there's his little, glove so sticky? There's a little bit of he said, he said going on here. But you're saying the spin rate. Now, is that game over? Yeah, I believe it is. So you're saying you checked the rates and already the spin rates dramatically different from the last time we it's, saw him at Dodger it's Stadium. Being, it's being DM'd around baseball. Right so now. what do you, what do you say to that? Uh, it is uh, it is funky, you know. It is you know for me it's right on the borderline. 150 RPM is about one standard deviation. Now if somebody was down 200, it'd be really obvious they were cheating. That's How about this? More like two standard deviations. Doctor- 200 and 300. So 100 is. Right on the border. Part part of your athletic crew, Dr. Meredith Wills, she brought me a sticky ball from double A. And there, the carry is going through the roof. Strikeouts are through the roof. 
The hitters can't hit the ball out of the infield. It's been awful for offense. And the ball is sticky. Like I, I it was my, you could hear it. Like my skin was, you could, if I put the baseball, here, you could hear my skin sticking. So they missed the mark. They the went, sticky they ball is sticky. It's too sticky. It's like you had a lollipop and then you spit all over it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's how it felt. Yeah. Well, our time is coming gone. We got King Korak coming up next. That's what do you right. got? I was going to tell you, Scherzer went three and a third, allowed six runs. What do we do, man? Dan, do Dan do? Plesak, who I love. He was a terrific closer back uh-huh. in the day. Dan Plesak said it, and he was just, he's on MLB Network now, and he just goes, we had a saying, don't go out there alone. <laughs> don't do it yourself. <laughs> Meaning everybody had pine tar. Yeah. I mean, what are we going to do about this? Oh, no. You're the sticky guy. It's all your fault. And what if it, every game is nine to seven? Is that what we wanted? No. No. I like two, one, two hours and 15 minutes. And like, we're we, we got to get these things together. Somehow. What do we do? I think we give up on sticky stuff. Spider tech for everyone. Whatever. Just... Seriously. I kind of do, man. I don't, I don't, I don't like this. I don't like the, the, I we, like we, it. I saw they, re- what, what, I can't remember which reliever it was last night. They checked the reliever coming in from the bullpen last night. Yeah. He, the, he just stopped them and checked them. I mean, we're always it checking was one of the guys. Barriers, I think it was like Trevor got. Yeah. We're always checking guys. And like, I mean, clearly they're not really catching guys. Are they catching guys? Well, they... we'll have to wait for this one umpire to do it again. I guess. Now we catch him. We tell him to go wash it off and then come back. I mean, that's what, what I'm saying. It's, it's 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 worse now because it's inconsistent. It's inconsistent. It's one umpire going crazy, going rogue, and then everybody else being like, eh, I don't know. Is that sticky? I don't know. Hey, wash your hands. I don't know. Uh, let's end on this. You mentioned <laughs> your, your kids' games. They're having trouble throwing strikes. Did you bring them the vat of <laughs> spider tag? How are we doing? Are we throwing strikes? <laughs> we got your kids are throwing you strikes? suggesting that I, I teach my kids to cheat? <laughs> Well, if anyone know how to do it, it's you. I mean, oh my God, here we go, guys. I know the ball, and then who? And you know they don't throw hard enough, so you know at least one of them would throw, and the ball doesn't go anywhere. Hey, did anybody hear about this? Sarah's kid has he? He's got sandpaper in his back pocket. Huh? Oh my God! Watch out for the Sarah's kid. Sometimes the ball doesn't even leave his hand; it's stuck on. It's there. like a wiffle ball. This kid's ball's got more. Of- He's on the mound being like, God, it won't come off, Dad. He's got more horizontal break than any pitcher we've ever seen. He's the sweeper of sweepers. All right, the Hall of Famer is here. Play is ending, would you please? The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.